Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. I was had a glorious day Friday, uh, anointing and praying over a young lady uh, for healing. And, uh, and I came back home extremely exhausted. Uh, it was a six-hour drive, and, and I got back, and I said, I, I, I felt like the, you remember when Jesus, when they, she touched the woman, touched him, he said the virtue went out of him? Ooh, boy, I'm telling you, I felt like all my energy just went out of me, and I ended up sleeping in late on Saturday morning, and, and, think, and that was a, a tough day. But I asked God, I said, what, what do you want me to preach this Sunday? And, I had re- and he reminded me that today was Rosh Hashanah. Do you all understand what that is in the Jewish faith? I'm going to share with you in a minute what that's all about. So if you can, stand with me uh, in 1 Thessalonians 4. These are familiar verses, very familiar. In fact, there's not a, um, there is not a funeral that I have not preached out of these verses at some point during the funeral because uh, it, it's so important to us, mainly because of the last verse, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, and that just means that you don't know. Brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and show, so, shall, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And there's that verse. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Lord, please comfort us today with these words. May that promise come true even this very moment as I preach your word. I'm thankful for this great promise that one day we'll be caught up together with you, if we, for, especially for those who know you as your as their Savior. And those that don't, Lord, by the end of the service, they could be right in that same group. And I just trust that you'll do that for them. Help them to understand that they're a sinner that needs to have you as their Savior. Don't let them leave here, Lord, without darkening down their hearts to settle this issue, because this is an issue that needs to be settled before they take their last breath. And we'll just thank you for all that you're going to do today in our hearts and minds. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Rosh Hashanah. It begins tonight, actually. It begins tonight at sundown. Uh, It means the head of the year. That's what it means. Uh, It is also called the day of shouting or the day of beginning, all right? Or uh, a new year, a new start, a new beginning. Or you could put it this way, a new life, uh, a new life. For the Jewish people, it's a time of intense retrospection that leads up to the time of atonement. Right? So right now the Jewish people are celebrating 
they'll start celebrating tonight. They'll start praying. It, also, it is also the day of most Jewish people believe that God created all of the heaven and the earth. So uh, Lashana Tova is the traditional greeting for the Jewish New Year, which means have a good year, or what we would say is Happy New Year. So Jewish people believe that on this day, now listen carefully, every year their destinies for the upcoming year are written down by God in the Book of Life. That's what they believe. They believe that the names of those who are good are immediately written down by God on Rosh Hashanah as being good, while those who are bad are not written down. Now, here's an interesting part. It's sort of like purgatory in the Catholic faith. Um, every bad Jew has an opportunity, though, given to them, like purgatory, to reevaluate their lives, repent, and so God could reconsider their status and before them at Yom Kippur, which is going to happen in, in a week or so, the Day of Atonement. It comes eight days later uh, from now. So this is a very special week for the Jewish faith right now, for Israel. So, like a Calvinist, though, they believe that this, the, that decision to reconsider their fate and accept their submission of repentance is reserved by God himself for the Day of Atonement. Um, in other words, they just kind of submit themselves and hopefully God will accept their submission. Uh, they repent and hope for the best. And that day is called Yom Kippur. I remember, I remember one, years ago, I think I shared uh, in my testimony on Wednesday night, when I was striving to find out where God was and what it meant to be saved, I remember going to a, a pastor at that time and saying to him, can you know for sure you can be saved? And he said, no. And I, it, it's always, it always plagued me from that day. I left there saying, that can't be right. right. But he's of the Reformed Calvinistic belief that only God knows and he'll save who he wants to save. Um, and I said to Brother Travis last week, I said, why would God want to frustrate himself? Create somebody just to get angry over when they don't obey him. It's an amazing thought, isn't it? But biblically speaking, Rosh Hashanah is referred to as the Feast of Trumpets. If you want to read about it later, I didn't, I didn't go there today. It's found in Leviticus 23, 23 through 25. It's also over in Numbers 29, verse 1. But many Bibles, uh, Bible-believing Christians see the fulfillment of this feast in the rapture of the church. And that's why I went to 1 Thessalonians uh, for the scripture verses this morning. That's the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets. So this is, uh, now some people believe that, um, uh, that, that we, God has got to wait. It's got to be during this time. But that would kind of be problematic because of the clear teaching of the imminent return of Christ. In other words, he could come at any moment. He could come right now. I'd be okay with that, I'll tell you. Uh, the only thing that plagues my heart is some family members that still aren't saved. I've got 17 grandchildren, and I know there's five left that need to be saved. <laughs> and one of them's here today, and, uh, and I love them dearly. And, and, and there's uh, others uh, that are around the country, and I want them all to be saved. I'd like to see that before I take my last breath. But what a joy if... That is exactly what occurs today. You don't have to vote tonight. Right? We're out of here. They'll be coming through with a flashlight, looking around, seeing what's left in the pews and what's here, and 
confiscating what they can while we're all celebrating in glory. The trumpet could sound tonight, then we, the believers in Christ, our, our Messiah will be caught up together with him and we'll be with him forever. We'll be with our Jewish uh, believing Christians. Uh, we'll be with them and we'll go right up to heaven with them. We know this will happen at some time and what better time than tonight? Amen? What better time than right now? I'm ready. Are you ready? You should be ready. If you're not saved, can I tell you this? You're not ready. You're not ready. And you had been better praying that today's message uh, reaches somewhere into that cold, hardened heart of yours and breaks it down enough that you can see that the only way into heaven is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And there has to be a decision. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's got to be a decision to repent of your sins and trust on Him. There needs to be a moment of time that you do that. And God uh, so graciously lets you know it's true right after you do it. I knew the moment I was saved, I was saved. I remember going in the next day and trying to lead my uh, co-workers to the Lord, and I had no idea what I was talking about. I just knew I had repented of my sins that night, gave my life to Christ, and I was saved because His Spirit beareth with, was witness with my spirit. There is no way of explaining that until you finally trust on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you'll know. You'll get that inner conviction and you will know because he let you know. Listen, let me tell you something. God can't move in without you knowing it. I mean, if you were in your house, right, and you were uh, come home one night and there's another person sitting there and say, I'm, li I'm living here now, you would know it. Right? And it's the same way with God. Once you trust on Him with all your heart, with sincerity, He comes in, He saves you. And one thing that makes me more excited than a student on the last day of school or a parent on the first day of school when they can drop them off <laughs> is that rapture, mm. that calling away. I like that's a better word, actually. Caught up. Um, every time I preach, every time I teach about it, I, I get more excited than I did the time before. There's no greater news to the Christian that Jesus is coming for us. I can remember as a little kid being unsaved and hearing about that, that Jesus is coming and we're going to be caught up in the air. And I prayed, Lord, I don't want to die and go up any other way. I want to live and go up in the air. I remember as a little kid praying that. So I had a feeling it might be in my lifetime. You know, while I'm alive, he, he calls, the trumpet blows, and up, up I go. And that's what I would like to happen. But even if it doesn't happen that way, we all go up anyways, to meet him uh, in heaven, if you know him as your Savior. It could be today, and I say that with all the love I have in my heart for all of you, are you ready? Uh, you need to be saved. But as a Christian, are you ready? Because I feel there would be a lot of red faces when we have to face him if it were to happen right now. The psalmist said in chapter 89, for who in heaven can be compared to the Lord? What could be compared to meeting Jesus in the skies for the very first time? We should look for it with excitement. We should be looking for it with optimism. We should be looking for it with enthusiasm. There, there was no greater news to them in Paul's day than to think that he was coming back for them. And he believed back then when this was written, that it was eminent. In other words, it was, could happen at any moment. And even though he doesn't use the word rapture, he was clearly talking about a day when the saints of God will go up to meet Christ. This morning, I want to give you the five things 
that the rapture is supposed to remind us of so we can comfort each other. Right? Is there anybody in this room right now that needs comfort? You don't have to raise your hand. These are rhetorical questions. Whenever I ask that, I'm not really looking for a raised hand. But if there's anything we need right now in a sin-cursed world out of control is some sort of reassurance of comfort in all of this. You know, we look out into this world right now, it is out of control. It's chaos beyond chaos. Spiritually speaking, morally speaking, it's awful what's going on out there. And if we don't have a hope, the anchor of our soul, to hang on to the Word of God and the living Word of God in Jesus Christ, we are, most, we are men most miserable. Because we have to know, well, here's five things I want to give you that it will help you understand the importance of it, but also give you comfort. First, the rapture reminds us there's a reason not to sorrow. There's a reason not to sorrow. You know, Paul says... There is no reason to be sad when we remember what Jesus said. And what did he say? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What an incredible promise in the Bible. Paul said it was important to remember the rapture because of two primary reasons. And here it is. One, we need to be evangelistic until the time he comes and gets us. You know, he tells us to share, share this truth. He doesn't want us ignorant, doesn't want anybody ignorant of it. So the Thessalonians believed in the rapture, so much so that they were afraid that those who had died would miss the rapture and die in their sins. And that would be my fear. I, th- I would hope it would be your fear if you're born again. Paul told them not to be ignorant. In other words, don't be, uh, you don't have to be foolish about this or unknowing about this. Or don't be in the dark about this event. He wants you to know. Paul implies here there will be those who will have a problem with this doctrine because they don't understand it. I can remember one time somebody calling me on the phone uh, uh, during the week and they asked me, Pastor Prime, I said yes, and they proceeded to ask me about the beliefs of the church. And then he, he point blank said, do you believe in the rapture? And I said, I do. He says, you're a fool. Yeah. He did all of that just to get to that point because he did not believe in the uh, catching away. So Paul exhorts them who are over the labors in the Lord, uh, over the labors in the Lord, to keep the church informed. I believe the rapture should be teached at least a couple times a year in every church uh, because we don't want anybody ignorant about what's going to happen. Don't lose your empathy for lost souls, and we can easily lose that. If we stop believing that at any moment he can come and take us up to meet him. Stay evangelistic. People need to know the Lord. Second reason is we need to stay encouraged. You know, in verse 18, uh, it says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I think you'd all agree we're, we're living in evil days. And we need encouragement. Would you agree that if we knew there was no rapture to look forward to, we would be sad? I know I would. Every day when I get down over something, if I do get down over something, I think about, well, one day you're coming, Lord. I'm waiting. I can't wait, actually, uh, to go up to be with. We would be like those who have new hope if we, if we just don't know that that's coming. He didn't die in vain, and he also didn't raise from the dead in vain. Right? He has something for us. 
and he gives it to us in salvation, a gift of eternal life, but then he comes after us uh, when he's through with us here on earth to bring us home. In fact, these believers' expectations in, inferred to by their writings were that they were going to go through some type of God's wrath or judgment. Not true. Not for the believer. It says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So it doesn't abideth on us who are believers, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. That's Romans 1.18. So if you're born again, right, Christ has imputed his righteousness onto you, into you. So there's no wrath there coming. It's not uh, from God to you. Romans 5.9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. There are believers right, out, right now that are mid-tribulation, uh, that are post-tribulation, that believe that believers are going to go through the wrath. Can't be possible. Right? Revelation 3.10 says, Believest thou hast kept thy word from my, uh, of my patience? Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. He's talking about the hour of wrath, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell on the earth. So notice Jesus said, I will keep them from the hour of temptation. Right? The hour, uh, or he didn't say, I will keep them through it. Uh, we've uh, experienced the sorrow of separation from God because of our sin, but now, right, it's different. Now we know Jesus. There's no reason to believe that he will ever separate from us again. He's not going to allow us to go through that. Sec so here, that's the first thing, is that you just got to know that uh, the rest reminds us there is a reason not to sorrow. Secondly, the rapture reminds us there is a return of our Savior. Right? There is the return of our Savior. He is coming back. It's going to be a personal return. Do you all understand that? Mm -hmm. You know, the, one of the great thoughts in my heart about believers who die in the Lord is that God is reserved, or should say God in Jesus Christ, has reserved it for himself to escort you into heaven. I mean, maybe, I mean, I'm okay with two angels getting us from here to there, but he's waiting at the gate. Well done. Throws his arms around us. One of my favorite pictures I can think of. I, I'm a hugging type person. Uh, I just, I, I dream about that one day. Christ saying, you did okay, boy. And just putting his arms around me. He's going to return himself. He's not sending someone in his place. It is his place to return, and he will be faithful to it. So, oh, what a glorious day that will be when at first my Savior I see. Wow, glory for me. <laughs> Remember that? Glory for me. The Old Testament prophets prophesied of his coming. The New Testament saints, they proclaimed his coming. And the Savior, the Savior himself, Jesus himself promised he was coming. So there is going to be a personal return. There's also going to be a prominent sound. I thought I'd throw a joke in here right now. I don't know jokes very well. I can remember somebody saying to me that uh, when Trump was in the office, <laughs> the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, the dead in Christ, and they said, we're going to be going up soon. <laughs> Just a joke. I don't believe that. But there's, there is going to be a prominent sound. Uh, the trump will blow and a shout will be heard and no other 
and no other, like no other we've ever heard before. Um, uh, David Pascal, he's a, he's a missionary to, for Jewish people, but he's now planted a church down in Long Island, and he came to our church and preached one time. I don't know if he's ever been here, and he brought one of those shofars, those horns, and he let it go. I mean, he blew that thing and brought cheers down here. In fact, my grandson Daniel started crying like crazy. But I believe that the trump and the shout has two meanings. It's first the announcements, announcement of the entrance of our king. Now, Jesus entered once into the world as a servant, but now in the courtroom of heaven, Jesus now enters as our judge. The bailiff angel is going to shout, All rise! The Supreme Court of Heaven is now in session, the most honorable King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, now presiding. If you've ever been in a courtroom, you know a little bit of what it's going to be like. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, and for there is a time, uh, there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. Ecclesiastes 3.17 2 Timothy 4, 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and I don't, not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Do you love is appearing? I am. I'm, I'm loving it. Just thinking about it. So let's go to the third thing. Thirdly, the rapture reminds us there is a resurrection of the saints. Yes, there will be a prominent sound escorting in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but it is also a command for the saints to get up, to give up, and to go up. Many have said, referring to the shout, every time Jesus shouts in the Bible, there is a resurrection. And that's true. When he, when he shouted out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth, right? He had to specifically say Lazarus or everybody in their graves were to come forth. Lazarus rose from the dead and when he shouted out from the cross, it is finished, the graves opened up and many arose from the dead. Important note here, you know, only the saints in the Bible are referred to as being asleep when buried. You know, the Seventh-day Adventists follow this false doctrine that souls sleep in there, they're not, their spirit is not with the, with the Lord. But he does refer to as our bodies laying in the grave, and that's one of the reasons I'm not a fan of cremation. Um, I'm just not a fan of it. Uh, but I want my body to be in place so that when he shouts, it comes, back, comes up with a new, a new one. But, because sleep means there's going to be a time when we wake up. That's why the Bible uses that term. There's going to be a time when we wake up. The Bible says there are only two ways to die, in your sin or in your Savior. The Bible says there are, there are also only two ways to live. Eternally in heaven with your Savior, this is the first resurrection, or eternally in the lake of fire without your Savior. This is the second resurrection. Right? Everybody's going to live forever. One of two places, heaven or hell. The Bible says those left behind after the first resurrection will be blinded from the truth because when they heard the truth, they rejected the truth. I can't tell you how many times I've uh, preached the gospel message and have somebody hear it again and again and again and again and still walk out that door and never give their lives to Christ. If you miss the first resurrection, you will end up in the second resurrection unto damnation. This is what the Bible says. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming 
in which in the which all they that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Those that have done good are the ones that have realized they were not good, and the only goodness they could have was through Jesus Christ. Those that are bad are the ones that just rejected and did the unthinkable sin and just said no to Jesus. Oh, my friend, trust on Jesus today and resurrect with us who are saved unto eternal life. The rapture reminds us there is a reason not to sorrow. There's a return of the Savior, a resurrection of the saints. And fourthly, the rapture reminds us there is a removal of the servant. I love this one. Only one thing should encourage us more than being resurrected from our graves, and that's being caught up with Jesus in the air to meet those who are already there. I have many family members that are saved. I miss desperately. And I can't wait to see him. He is going to quickly remove us from the sin-cursed earth to live with his uh, presence forever. We're not going to go up kicking and screaming because we're afraid of heights. It's, it's so quick you don't have time to fear. This is not a pokey removal. Uh, the second coming is. Uh, I'll share with you that another day. The second coming is where he hovers over us for a long time as the world turns underneath him. In a split second, we are out of here. It has to be quick or we might break down looking back at the people we have to leave suffering. So God knows we have to ascend to the Father as quickly as possible and that's how we go. It's not a partial removal either. All the saved are going up together. If you're saved in here today, we're going up together. All together up there. All those who have accepted Christ as their Savior will make the trip. No one saved is left behind. This is a post, not a post or mid-tribulation removal, as some teach falsely. There's no reason to make the saints wait until halfway through the tribulation until after the tribulation uh, for their removal, or after the tribulation for the removal. It goes against every promise God made. I just went over that. We have nothing more at this point to learn and nothing more to earn. With the rapture, we are delivered from the sinker's world and the wrath of God right into the arms of Jesus. I love that thought. For thou, O God, hast proved us. Psalm 66, 10 through 12. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. Thou brought us into the net. Thou laidest affliction upon our loins. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through the fire, through the water, but thou brought us out into a wealthy place. Psalm 66, 10 through 12. The psalmist says we have been proved. We have been brought through all the afflictions. We won't just be brought out of the land of Egypt. We will be brought right into the land of Canaan. What a promise God gives us. There's no wilderness of sin for the born-again believer again. Did you know that God is going to do a greater work than he done in Egypt? A greater work. Than, in fact, why don't we turn there just for a minute, just so I can give it to you. Some of you look like you're falling asleep. I don't want you to do that. <laughs> Jeremiah 16. Verse 14 and 15. 
Listen to this, what he says here in Jeremiah and prophetically. He says, Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, Jeremiah 16, 14 through 15, that it shall no more be said, The Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands whither he had driven them, and I will bring them again into their land that I gave unto their fathers. You know, the Lord told Jeremiah here uh, is something that is going to happen someday that is so great that people will no longer say God brought them out of Egypt. That will pale in the light of what God is going to do during the rapture. There's something that God is going to do that is going to be so great they will forget all about the Exodus. God said he's going to round up his people one day and do a greater work than he did when he brought them out of Egypt. It will defy reasoning it will defy understanding. Uh, it's going to be, do you understand? I don't, I don't know, understand how this is all going to happen. I've seen all kinds of flips, trips, or not flips, uh, scripts, and uh, all kinds of movies about, but bang, have everybody's gone, and they're all wondering where you went. Yeah, but basically, there's a lot of truth to that. They're all going to be wondering where you went. They'll come up with a good excuse somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Aliens, yeah. But I believe right there in Jeremiah, he's referring to the coming rapture. I, what else could be more of an illustration than the rapture when a great percentage of the world is all of, all of a sudden vanishes, exes out of the, exited out of the world? This second exodus will far exceed the first exodus. Therefore, what? Comfort one another with these words. No more death, destruction, no more desperation for the Christian, no more having to fight and conquer lands like they did as they came out of Egypt. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. If, you, if you've never been born into his family, you will be left behind. You have to be born anew by the Spirit of God. You can be born again today. What must you do to be born again? Well, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. You do not earn your way into heaven. You cannot work your way into heaven. By the way, you cannot will your way into heaven with positive thinking. You can't even plead your way in like, well, God, I was, I was a good person, you know, so can you just look past those few sins I had? No. One sin defiles us. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, five says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Here's my fifth thing. We're getting close to the end here. Fifthly, the rapture reminds us there's a reunion of all the saved. We are removed to an immediate reunion in the air. If this doesn't float your boat or light your fire, then nothing will. I just elaborated on a little bit just a second ago. Christ will be there to meet us and escort us to himself into heaven's banquet hall where there will be, where we will be reunited with all those loved ones who have died in Christ before us. And we'll be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's nothing sad, sorrowful, or scary about that. We Baptists like food. Yes, we do. And we like fellowship with the food, too. 
And that's going to be like no other day you've ever been at. No other banquet you've ever been at in your whole life. Death for the Christian is not the end. It's just the beginning. We don't uh, lose loved ones in Christ when they die. We just send them ahead. That's all we do. I can't wait to see some of my loved ones that are there. Oh, what a reunion that will be when together again with my loved ones I will be. Which brings me to my last point. So let me just recap before I get to the last point here. Number one, there's a reason not to sorrow. The rapture reminds us there's a reason not to sorrow. There's also a return of our Savior, which is glorious in thought. There's a resurrection of all the saints. There's a removal of all his servants. And there's a reunion of all the saved. And lastly, the rapture reminds us there is a responsibility to share the good news. We have a response. We've been left with a responsibility for the saints to comfort them, for the sinners to tell them the clock is ticking. We're right there. We're at the door right now. I believe he's mounting his, his horse right now. He's mounting that stallion, that white stallion right now. He's just waiting for the day when it says, Go get your children. God, the Godhead says, go get your children. So the rapture is inevitable. It is going to happen. Are you ready? This is the theme of the entire New Testament epistles. There are 318 references that refer to his coming again. It was the overwhelming hope of Paul's first epistle written to the Thessalonians. Let me share you how God brought this I. I, I wish you could have been in the Sunday school this morning, I really do, to show you how God orchestrates things to bring, how he did something in the last two weeks with my life to orchestrate things to bring uh, healing to a, a young lady. But he does it even through scripture. Daniel, long before Christ said this, said this in Daniel 7:13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of, and came to the ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. The angel said this in Acts 1, 11 and 12, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up for you into heaven so shall, so, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. James encouraged the believers with it. He said, Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Peter believed that, 2 Peter 3, 12, looking forward and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. John wrote about it. Revelation 1.7, Behold, he cometh with the clouds, every eye shall see him, and they, shall, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Jesus himself proclaimed that. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may, there ye may be also. It's inevitable. It's imminent. It can happen at any moment. Are you, are you ready? All the New Testament writers implied they did not think there were going to be many years before it happened. I wish they were living today. What do you think they'd think today? In their minds, Jesus was coming right back to them. 
they were living to be caught up just as they had seen Jesus go. That's the way we're living, supposed to be living. And then the rapture's instant. It's quick. You don't have time to reevaluate or to rethink. It's quicker than the eye can see. They say it's, uh, it's uh, blinking the eyes a 50th of a second. The twinkling of an eye is even faster. So when it happens, there'll be no time to rethink. Oh yeah, I remember what Pastor Horn said. No, you don't even have time to say that. You'd be left in your sin. You'd be left here without him. My friends, listen to me. Jesus is coming. And every second we delay trusting on Christ could be a second too late. Make sure he's coming for you. The greatest tragedy in anyone's life would be their refusal to receive Jesus Christ when he reaches out and says, trust me and give your life to me. Let's bow our heads. With heads bowed, eyes closed, and hearts honest with God this morning and with their self, who would say by the raised hand, if I were to meet Jesus right now, I know I am not ready. I am not sure when I die I will be in heaven, saved from God's wrath and hell. Who would say by the raised hand, I know I'm not ready? Anybody at all in here? How about anybody within my voice on Facebook Live? But I have good news. You can settle it today and be saved. I invite you right now to repent of your sins and call upon Jesus. Accept his invitation. Receive him as your Savior. Just say yes to him. Here's how. You just admit to him you're a sinner and no way to save yourself. That's all. And you know that there's a penny penalty for your sins and that's for and that's eternal death and then acknowledge that's all that Jesus paid for your sin debt by dying in your place on Calvary's cross rose from the dead to save you from hell and give you eternal life so you would escape God's wrath and experience God's love for all of eternity and then just simply accept Jesus by faith and the free gift of eternal life you just have to ask him that's all he's saying for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved are you ready to call? If you'll sincerely pray right now for Jesus to save you from your sin and receive him as your Savior, you will be safe and secure in the family of God both now and forever. You can just say something like this, knowing that it's not the prayer that saves you, but the Savior who hears you. You could just say, Dear Jesus, I'm repenting of my sin, turning from my unbelief, and right now I'm giving my life to you. Come now, Lord Jesus, and save me. Is there anyone here that just said that prayer and gave their life? I won't embarrass you. I just want to say amen. Anyone that just said that prayer here? Just raise your hand up like this, that's all. And I'll say amen. Anybody? And I close with this. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. When God speaks and the Spirit moves, I know He addresses every heart. He was speaking here today. I know he was. He addressed my own heart. You don't know how, but he did. So for heaven-bound believers here this morning, and I'm talking to the Christian, what is God asking you to do right now, right now, 
to be unashamed at the rapture. Who's he asking you to forgive? What's he asking? What sin is he asking you to address? And so far, all you've done is fight it and give in to it. Fight him and give in to it. You know what the right thing to do is. What's holding you back? So with heads bowed and eyes still closed, who would say by the raised hand, Christians, if I were to meet Jesus right now, I know, I, I know I'd be ashamed. There are things in my life I know aren't right. Pastor, will you pray for me? Amen. I see your hand. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. Amen. Amen and amen. And lastly, I don't doubt there's someone here this morning who is seeking just answers. You know, just confused about something, but open to know more. I'd like to pray for you too. So if that's you, you just raise your hand up quick, and I'm going to get you on my prayer chain. Anybody at all. Just confused, just need more answers. You're even seeking God for the answers you haven't gotten. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.